0: What is culture without life? In our cultural program, we will discuss about the power of
1: culture to change the comprehensions and the actions of our lives. Music, cinema, painting, books, photography, poetry, and more and more. If you want to discover more about them, we invite you to join us every Friday from 10 to 12 on Mushtar FM 89.6.
2: What makes a good movie a really good movie? Maybe a good cast, a good director, a good photography? Yes, but also one important thing that it's mostly underrated, which is the music, the soundtrack. And if we speak about movies and soundtrack, we have to speak about one of the greatest, if not the greatest artists of all time about oh, this. Yeah. Who are we talking about, guys? Of course, the master. Ennio Morricone. Here we are the bad, the good, and the ugly. <laughs> it's up to you to decide who is who because we didn't want to pick up the ugly. Let's here. see at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's up to you guys. He is Ricardo here and with me are Tristan and Andre. So as you may have noticed, today's program is about Ennio Morricone that sadly left this world just in the physical shape yeah. because he will stay forever two weeks ago. And so we decided to... Make this program for him, about him.
0: That sounded beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah. thank you. Uh, like a kind of tribute, because I think even if you don't really know Morricone, you already heard one of his music because it's so famous and deeply rooted in the way of making cinema, compose music for cinema today. And a lot of director and a lot of music composer are inspired by Morricone works, and we can't deny his great work for the cinema of today and the cinema of yesterday.
2: Can we say that he is probably the best ever in this area?
1: It's a really difficult question for me because uh, there's a lot of really good composer, But I think in uh, Europe and um, American, in the Western world, I mean, Morricone is, I think, the most uh, popular and the ones that change a lot and shape a lot the way of making cinema. Because uh, when he arrived in the 60s, when he started his career as a music composer for movie, he just break all the like classic rule of making music, the way of use some instruments, the way of use the rhythm, the way of uh, use some noise or things like that. And uh, yeah, without Morricone, I think a lot of director, a lot of music composer. Didn't have the same way of uh, working. So that is this funny story. I don't know if it's totally true, but when a journalist asked to Hans Zimmer his three favorite music composer, he say Morricone, Morricone, Morricone. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a good example to prove that yeah, Morricone is uh, without any doubt one of the greatest and yeah maybe the best music composer for cinema today.
0: I wouldn't go and risk to say that he's the best because somebody will definitely argue with us. But yeah, one of the best, and I think that one of the proofs that he is one of the best is that he worked with all these great directors, actually. And some of those directors are really, really picky when it comes to music, for example, is Quentin Tarantino who picks his music really thoroughly. Mm. And when he stops on Ennio Morricone, I think it also shows a lot.
2: But you know a funny thing about Tarantino and Morricone? Because Tarantino is since ages that wanted Morricone to write the song from his movies. But for the first time, he wanted him for Inglorious Bastards. But Morricone was too busy, so he declined. They said, I have to decline. So he wanted him for The Hateful Eight, but at first he declined because Morricone says that at his age, it was, I don't remember. like 82. Yeah, 82 at that time. So it was like working with a new director, new habits, it's always difficult for a composer. It's mm. not like with Tornatore, that I worked for him since ages. I know exactly what he wants, so we understand. So it's kind of difficult. But given that he wanted me so much, in the end I said yes. And Tarantino just went to him and said, okay, you compose whatever you want and we will put it. Yeah. <laughs> I will not argue. I mean, you are the best, so give me the music. And Morikone said that it was really cool to work with him because actually he could just create whatever he wanted, so feel free to do everything. And actually, it was really strange to me, the soundtrack for The Hateful Eight, but I think we're going to talk about it later.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, but this story reminds me uh, the work of Morricone with uh, Sergio Leone. So I think I will start with it. Because for me, Morricone is truly and deeply linked with uh, Western. At the end, Morricone composed more than 500 music for TV and cinema. So it's impossible to sum up in a, one program, and uh, I don't know a lot of them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but i really attracted and I really like his Western music composition. And of course, uh, like the duo Morricone-Leone is really famous. And uh, this uh, work together started in uh, 1964, if I'm not wrong, with uh, a fistful of Dollar, The second movie directed by uh, Leon, but the first with uh, Morricone as a music composer. And uh, in this movie, both Leon and Morricone break the classic rule of making western movie, because in the beginning of 60s, western was like a nulled kind of making movie in Hollywood, and it was like on the decrease uh, ideas for people. Mm-hmm. and Morricone and uh, Leon arrive and create a new way of making western which become later called uh, italian western or western spaghetti with all these character more uh, immoral or more uh, like there is no good or bad people in a uh, western by uh, Leon and it breaks this idea of making a western to improve and to promote the idea of this uh, great uh, American nation that built uh, by this adventurous people in the western of Leon. It's the law of the stronger. It's the law of the gun, the law of the pistol, and the law of the money. And in the same idea, Maricon came with uh, his music composition, new way of making it. Because before western movie was more accompanied by music with a classical tone, as for example, Magnificent Seven. Is very classical music with a very a lot of instrument to make like epic score and to put the character as a heroic people. And Morricone arrive and break it. He make music more little, more intimate. He bring a kind of lyrical dimension, but in the same way a very hard and cruel dimension in the music that also draw a lot with the image of uh, Leon. And the funny thing in this way of working between Morricone and Leon. Is that Leon before the shooting ask the music to Mor. He say, "I want the music before the shooting and during the shooting, I listen the music. The actor listens the music and they are able to move in the rhythm of the music. And when you watch a uh, Leon movie, it's very impressive how the synchronism between image and music is so perfect and it's due to this way of working, I think. But it's a proof of the genius of Morricone without image. He was able to imagine the action and to create like also a kind of character or screenwriter with music. Leon said about Morricone, Morricone was my best screenwriter, and I think it's true. (laughs) (laughs) When we saw the movie, it's totally true, and uh, a lot of music are now very famous and used back in uh, other movies. And uh, the modernism of Morricone music in Western is also due to the use of other instruments. The first one is the voice, I think. Morricone said the voice is the best instrument that I can use. And in the music of Morricone, there's a lot of uh, close voice, people that sing together to create a kind of uh, also epic atmosphere or something like that. But they also can sing uh, with emitting some noise in the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's some human voice that emits uh, Rolling of a coyote, uh, yeah. that's it, wah, wah, wah. exactly. And uh, this one was unusual and uh, no composer before Morricone think about this idea. And now it's like, uh, when we think about Western movie, we think about this kind of sound that Morricone bring. Or again, I don't know, uh, electrical also, instrument with electrical guitar,
2: for example. Also the ocarina. he was the first one to put the ocarina into a soundtrack, actually.
1: Yeah, and they bring all these things and they also play a lot with the tempo of the music and the way of building music. Basically, with classical music, music climb up like crescendo, more and more instruments, rhythm became more and more fast. And when you arrive to the climax, there is a big sound like an epic sound. And in a lot of music, Morricone... Start the building in the same way, more and more instruments, more and more sound. And when you feel the climax approach, music just fold down and uh, go back in the beginning with just one instrument, very slow tempo or things like that. And it's totally beautiful and really links with the character in the Western movie. For now, I just speak about Western, but uh, it's also the case for other movies. But I think in the Western of the 60s, Western Spaghetti of the 60s is really easy to see it. And it's uh, like a big break between uh, before the start of Morricone and after when Morricone start to be very famous and popular in the music composition. And uh, it was also one of the first, I think, to use uh, dissonance in this composition. These facts to make the noise very unusual or like with a wrong tune for our ears and to create like uh, this atmosphere with a little bit of tense or mystery or scary thing and it's also linked because uh, Morricone improved a lot the popularity of uh, Western from Italy during 60s but also the popularity of Giallo movie which was uh, polar movies of uh, Italian director. for example one of the most famous directors is Dario Argento and Morricone start to work on the first movie by Dario Argento and it's totally not the same way of making music it's more little, more intimist and more creepy music and it's a proof that Morricone is able to Adapt his uh, style, his way of making music to different movie, and each time his composition for me sounds really just in the idea of the movie, in the story with the character, and he also create, I think for me, this music as a character because in a lot of movie, Morricone music looks to be character of the movie. Music starts with uh, some instruments, some tempo, but when music comes back, there is other instruments, other tempo. And Music looks to evolve with the character, with the action. And I think it's why it's so good and well managed in the movie. And it's also helped because Morricone, for me, knows how to work with the silence. In the movie in which Morricone have uh, worked, it's not bombarded by music every uh, two minutes music arrive, then a long silence and after music come back and it's why music is so powerful because she came to improve and promote the important action of the movie and also the use of silence can be a good way to create some uh, other mood
2: yeah because also silence can be music but for
0: me in this whole story about the italian westerns it's interesting how two italians actually defined a big chunk of american culture first of all they redefined the how the Western should look like, what it should be like, the characters. When you think of Western, the first thing you see is the image of Clint Eastwood created by Leon. And you hear the music of Ennio Morricone but also the second thing is that Tristan mentioned that they recreated the characters that now in the westerns there is no good cowboys and bad cowboys like separated by this line like into black and white but this was like in the beginning of the 60s and they defined this the way of the counterculture in the movies actually because after this the counterculture in the USA started to grow up and started to uh, appear movies like for example Easy Rider and so on but actually Actually, two Italians were the first ones to break all these traditional rules of of the genre and create the new Western, the new history of the United States. Yeah. It's
2: strange because Western culture is so different from ours. Oh, yeah. But you know that they were signing themselves with English names in the movies?
1: Yeah. For the first movie, Leon was called something like Bob Robertson. Bob Robertson. And (laughs) Morricone. Don something. Don Silva or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's a way for this European director to try to become famous in Hollywood and they want to change their name to not uh, look like foreign people, but uh, American citizens. But at the end, uh, now history uh, proves that uh, their work was uh, like a uh, big uh, and important thing in the cinema history. And uh, even uh, when uh, Leon directed this movie, it was not so popular from the critic. The public really liked Leon movie, but not the critic. But today I think... Uh, you can't deny the importance of Leon movie, of the way of making movie. Because uh, I think Morricone music in Leon movie are also so beautiful because the image of Leon are amazing. He know how to cut his movie, how to film some uh, big frame, some large scale frame. And it's so impressive. For me, there's so a kind of, let's say, dance between the image of uh, Leon and the music of Morricone that are perfect uh, match. And it's why he's so powerful.
2: Yeah, and also Morricone was not so famous when he recorded the music for A Fistful of Dollars. Because I heard an interview from Clint Eastwood. Then he said that, okay, Clint Eastwood was mostly unknown, anyone. And Leone was not welcomed by the critic. And Morricone was someone, just someone making music. And the budget for the movie was really, really, really low. Almost no budget at all. And they shot it in Spain because they didn't want to give authorization in America so in the end they thought that the movie was not good but after one year there was this big boom of this movie and now it's we can say a cult yeah of the genre yeah it's uh,
1: difficult to really define the directors that create uh, italian western but this movie looks to be one of the first that uh, bombed this new way of making movies in the cinema world and uh, create this big wave in uh, hollywood and in all the world and of course it's helped to more iconic music
2: sting a bit more, if I can, into the western area of Morricone music and of yeah. course the collaboration with yeah. Sergio Leone. I, I really know. loved one scene of For a Few Dollars More, which is my favorite movie of this. And this is the very end of the movie. So when there are Levan Cliff, Jean Maria Volonté, and Clint Eastwood in a round, and there is this scene with the carry that plays and when the carry-on plays, the music stops and you just have the carry-on. And after that, there is slow music. And then as soon as the gazes of the actors intensify, also the music intensify, And this is kind of creepy for how much perfect is the tempo that is here. And then there is another bit of carry-on, but with some music. And then the music drops. There is the shooting scene, which I will not spoiler who wins. And then the carry-on again to end it. To me like the match with music and the s- gazes of the actors there is literally amazing. I have the goosebumps every time I see this scene.
1: Yeah, this final sequence is amazing. Leon was so good to film duel sequence and especially for me in Leon movie it's not important the duel but more all the things before the duel and all the things after and Because th- the, the, the duel
2: is one second. Yeah. Usually.
1: And during one second, music stopped. American music is just before and after. Yep. And the only element that breaks this music is the fire shot of the duel. And it's so well filmed and so well think about making duel like that. And this duel of, uh, for Feudal more. and this music with Carrion is so also new because I think it's one of the first time in Western movie, like character have something. That creates the music, and every character of the movie can hear the music. It's called the uh, intragiacetic music. The music is a uh, part of the story, and character of the story can hear it. And this uh, little sound of carillon create a music for the character that became after music for the public, for the audience, and is so well managed the way of go to the little carillon sound. Then after this, a uh, big lyrical music composed by Morricone that uh, use back the. Tune of the carrion to create music, but more with more important instruments. And it's so yeah, it's beautiful. It's a violent scene, but beautiful one. So it's a, I think one of the strengths of Morricone music is succeed to make the violins beautiful and uh, very it's strange to say it, but very cool to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah, and I will move from this movie to another movie of the Dollar Trilogy, which is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the movie about us. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and my favorite uh, music by Ennio Morricone from the Dollar Trilogy is actually The Ecstasy of Gold, which is the composition is playing while Tuco, played by the genius Eli Wallach, is frantically searching the cemetery for the grave where there are 200,000, I think, dollars yep. in gold. And uh, it is sung by Edo del Orso, and some sources say it stands as one of the most well-known of Maricona's themes. But I think there is this uh, theme without her vocals. But her vocals make it so powerful. And you can actually feel this, I don't know how possessed the Wild West was with the gold because also the playing of Eli Wallach plus her voice and you can feel all this drama when the lives of people actually were revolving around the gold and this is actually, and she just intensifies the music with her voice so much that this scene is also Well, let's say the truth is also as ugly as violence, because he's really greedy, he's looking through the cemetery, the sacred place for the gold. But this scene suddenly becomes so powerful and so beautiful. Well, this also proves the talent of Morricone to make the ugly things look magnificent and beautiful.
1: Yeah, totally. And maybe to continue in Leon movie, because (laughs) of course about Morricone we'll speak about Leon. Ricardo speak about his favorite duel scene, so I will speak about mine. It's the final duel of Once Upon a Time in the West. It's a new kind of trilogy of uh, Leon, the Once Upon a Time trilogy. And this movie is the first one of this trilogy, and uh, this final duel is against uh, Charl Bronson, which played the uh, harmonica man, and Ori uh, Fonda, which play uh, a character called Frank. And uh, in all during all the movie, we understand that. Uh, these two characters are linked by something in the past, but we don't know the story. And so the duel starts with uh, Henri Fonda on the background of the image and a uh, little music with a moderato tempo and only one instrument. So we feel like the beginning of the tense, something that will uh, rise up with the time. But for now, it looks very calm, like the calm before the storm. And then this one is maybe one of the most beautiful shot of the movie. Bronson enters in the frame at the same time that uh, electric guitars starting to play. And it just so well matched. It's so impressive for me. And it makes like a Bronson character, an epic uh, hero of uh, movies. In the same time, there is a kind of little riff with harmonicas that arrive. And it's a song recurrent in the movie, which link uh, Bronson and... Uh, fonda character and also bring a kind of western mood because it was an instrument used in a lot of uh, western movies before but it bring also mystery because as i said before two characters are linked with this harmonica song but we don't know the truth for now the next of the sequence is really impressive because music continued to up crescendo with more instrument more volume and character move at the same rhythm of the music it's due to the filmmaking of Leon at the same time, music was composed before the movie and used during the shooting and we really feel it for the sequence. I think for me, the sequence is the one that we feel a lot this way of uh, composed music. Then Fonda Troy's his jacket on the ground at the same time of uh, cymbal sound and percussion starting to play and he continue to walk at the rhythm of percussion and it's really well uh, thinking because for me, it brings two different feelings. With percussion, we have this kind of Martial uh, feeling, like in the army with a little uh, drum, but we have also a kind of very bad feeling which announcing like a tragic fate, we know that at the end some of these boss will be dead and then arrive the voice call which uh, added and give an epic and lyric dimension to the duel, which are supported by instrument with a uh, bow and drop, and all these things are put in place to make the duel like a epic sequence. so we think about something like really big but music starting just to decrescendo to become less and less stronger less and less louder and just remain the sound of the wind the two characters are face off, and it's uh, the beginning of the way of cutting of leone which is like uh, amazing for me we go to like very large scale and just after a very big scale on the face and we like zoom on the face of uh, Bronson and enter in his uh, memory like a flashback and we understand all the story and the music start back but with another feeling due to this uh, flashback memories and after when memories are finished music are finished and just remains the gunfire on the end of the duel and uh, I think if you don't see the sequence it's difficult to really understand it but I really advise you to see it because for me it's one of the best sequence of movie history and it's due to these two Italian guys, uh, Sergio Leone and Ennio Morricone, and just for that, uh, Grazie mille. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> but not just the scene, but I think all the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah all the movie, of course. Because, uh, yeah, for me it's funny because before Andre says that uh, these two Italian men uh, bring new rules to making movies for Hollywood, and with Once Upon a Time trilogy, for me, they also create the best chronicle of American continent that... Uh, not an American director create. And it's no, funny yeah. that <laughs> Italian people create this big and beautiful chronicle about this uh, building continent and the people that build this continent.
2: Yeah, and also these movies are more appreciated in America than in Italy. Yeah. I should say that. <laughs> well, of course, we never appreciate what we have.
1: Uh, but but still. Is, I think it's due to the cast also. It's very American cast oh, yeah. compared yeah. to the previous Leone movie when we can have uh, Gian Maria Volante, for example, or important Italian actor, not in this one. Yeah,
0: I think l- a little bit later we'll get to the movie that Italians appreciate much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little teaser <laughs> <right> <laughs> in the program. <laughs> no spoiler.
2: spoiler.
0: No. <laughs> so, I will move us now from the western and I will <laughs> move us to the really massive picture because it goes for five and a half hours. It was made also by Italian yep. Bernardo Bertolucci. But here I will also say not only two people, two Italian people made a great movie, which is Ennio Morricone and Bernardo Bertolucci, but also uh, an operator, Vittorio Storaro, who is also a genius. And maybe we will make a program about him because his operator skills are just amazing. And he even has the book where he explains what color means what in the image. So it's really interesting. But moving on, yes, it was uh, the third collaboration with... Ennio Morricone for Bernardo Bertolucci, and at first he didn't have money, but then after the last tango in Paris came on the screens, which was, I think, banned in Italy for some time, and it was Mm. popular in the USA, it got a lot of money for him, so he could make it. Uh, The movie tells the story of two Italians born in the beginning of the 20th century. One of them is Alfredo, played by Robert De Niro, and the second is Olmo, played by Gérard Depardieu. Interesting, like two French Frenchy. people <laughs> playing Italian. And it shows the story of Italy throughout the first part of the 20th century. And I think for Ennio Morricone it was a really, really big task after the Westerns to show through the music all the dramatic events that Italy went through to wars and of in fighting of the classes in Italy also. So now I will speak a little bit about the music. The score opens with one of Marricona's, as some sources say, most wonderful themes, Romanza. A rich and beautiful piece with a timeless quality. Orchestration is somewhat restrained and much of the theme's impact comes from the subtle chorus, which more or less hums the melody. And it's the beginning of the 20th century where... You expect the progress to come and to make the people's life better, but in the end we know that the progress made people's life terrible at some points in the wars. Then it continues with the no less impressive song Estate 1908, which immediately precedes it through arrangement is a little more... Sumptuous this time. Then it goes to the autumn 1922, which introduces the first suspense action music of the score, opening with harsh, piercing, brassy suspense. The middle section develops into tension-led and action music before the piece concludes with the jagged string played dissonance. Regalo di notte. Regalo di nozze. Regalo di nozze, thank you. (laughs) Continues the darker theme with uh, Maricone now employing the piano to generate excitement very impressively. But then the melodic music comes back in the composition called La Polenta with a stunning... Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a stunning (laughs) solo violin version of the main theme. And Il primo ciopero... Chopero. Chopero, Thank you. Ah, and this <laughs> this is also language educational program. Starts in a similar <laughs> way, though it isn't long before the edgy suspend music returns. From what I just said, you can hear that all this um, music really changing, like through the course of the movie, through the, all these f- five hours and a half. And I think it greatly gives us the impression of the twentieth century, especially of the first part of it. Even though we didn't live there, we can feel how people were moving like on this attraction where you first go like really up and then you suddenly go down and you're shouting of horror that you feel. And how people's lives, but we're speaking about people's lives here, and how drastically and dramatically they were changing. So not only the images created by Vittorio Storaro and Bernardo Bertolucci, but also the music shows you how horrible and beautiful, and all this mixed was the first part of the 20th century. Yeah, it's not in the world, but in one country, only in one country. So we can imagine how it was in the whole world. And so I think with this movie, Ennio Morricone proved that he had no boundaries in his music. He, He could go wherever he wanted with his music, he could give you any impression, any mood, you can feel any emotion.
1: I think it's a good way to sum up his work. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's totally true because when you just look the list of the movie in which he takes part, it's so various with so different directors so different movie genre. And it's also various about his career because uh, of course we will speak a lot about movies because it's the most important part of his career. But he also created music for singer. A lot yeah. of this uh, music in the movie was also, after back like, little bit changed for singer. So it's this beautiful song by uh, John Bez, Here's to You, that came from a uh, Morricone uh, music composed for okay. movie at the beginning. And, uh, yeah, it's so impressive and it's also really interesting because his way of working is so, like, very classic or pure. I don't really know how to explain it in English, but in some uh, interview of him in French television, he explained that when he worked, he didn't play instrument, he just write the music directly on the paper. For me it's so difficult to understand how it's possible to compose so beautiful music without playing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He just hears the music directly in his head and he creates this uh, this piece of art and uh, yeah so I think it's why it's so interesting uh, to hear about Morrican music because it's impossible to not find at least one music of Morricone that you can't like.
2: Yeah, and speaking about the variety of emotions and sounds that Morricone can achieve, there was this story about Carlo Verdone, I don't know if you know the Italian movie director. Mm-hmm. He makes comedies and he needed the music for his first movie. And Carlo Verdone was friend with Sergio Leone. And Sergio Leone said, Well, I know someone. <laughs> so he took <laughs> him to he took him to any Morricone's place and he asked for music and he was like, Yes, but at first Give me the script because I would never do something I don't like. So Verdone didn't have the script and just played the movie himself for him. And he was like, well, this is poetry. I will make it.
1: Oh, perfect. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So actually he can make also music for comedies because it was fun music, very Mm. cheering, and also other stuff. So he's just a great composer can do that.
1: Yeah, it just, I think, it became very popular with... uh Italian Western or Jaro movie at the beginning of his career and a lot of movie director or cinema people just saw Morricone movie in this kind of movies and he said about his career that he is able to make music for comedy but he didn't have in his career so much uh, proposition to create score for comedy movie due to this uh, success in a very precise uh, movie genre and it's also linked I think with uh, cinema industry when something worked in one way you continue to in that way, until the end of the, <laughs> of the success. Yeah. yeah.
0: But not on, only the comedies were the specialization of Ennio Morricone's music, but also the horror movies. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he wrote a score for one of the most, maybe, iconic horror movies by iconic director John Carpenter, The Thing. And it's one of the stranger corners, actually, of Morricone's (laughs) discography for me, uh, which not only took him of the genre for which he was best known, but also stripped him from all the instruments he usually used. And also, it's interesting fact that usually John Carpenter, because he had some skills also in music, he usually wrote the music to his movies by himself. For example, for Halloween, he wrote the music by himself, and... According to Maricone, he knew that Carpenter wanted a thin's heavy score for the film and prepared samples accordingly before flying out to Los Angeles to record. And here again, Maricone wrote the music without seeing a movie, which is also, I think, really genius to just like see the screen. Yeah,
2: because to me, like, I have to have in front of me some images, yeah. s- some frames at least, Yep. To know what we're talking about, like the face of the actors, they're acting. But no, he just.
0: Yeah, and he, he's really great in creating that suspense that you feel throughout the movie when all these Antarctic uh, researchers are closed in this territory and each of them can be infected by the thing. And Mariconi's simplistic thudding score replicates the slow pound of heartbeat here came the doom that awaits RG McCready's Rectag Antarctic crew. And it feels like a Lovecrafting Jaws theme. It lingers throughout the film and finishes it out as the final shot fades, leaving the viewer wondering if our heroes are as in the clear as we may think. And again this the proof that he had no boundaries as and as Tristan said, in this big movie production world, they prefer not to risk sometimes, and they prefer to go through the way that they already paved. That's why I think sometimes maybe Ennio Morricone was uh, stopped not by his own boundaries, but the boundary of the industry where he was working.
1: Totally. And uh, yeah, the score of the thing is so interesting in Morricone's career because he make before some music for... Not really horror movie, but more thriller movie. But in the thing, is totally different than the uh, previous score. And uh, as I can read, there's also a yeah, link by the fact that he really listened the Carpenter composition before to try to really go in that way. But at the end, Morricone came with a lot of score composed because he always composed a lot of score, and after a director can use uh, his favorite one. And at the end, Carpenter don't choose so much uh, Morricone score. So on the album of the movie after, Morricone put a lot of scores that Carpenter didn't choose in the in the scoring album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and <laughs> uh, but interesting. Uh, John Carpenter, even though he didn't use much of the Morricone score, he still said that this is Morricone's score. This is not Carpenter's score. This is Morricone's mm. score. Uh, yeah, and also Tristan said that uh, Ennio Morricone wrote a lot of music for the thing, and for me these two qualities of Ennio Morricone is really great. His human qualities. First of all, he took every job really seriously, and any picture wasn't for him like, well, I'll write something and send it. No, he like explored what was already made by this director, what he wanted, and he used all he had to make a great score for every movie. But the other thing that even... Though he already was a genius and he everybody knew that he was a great composer, he never became a diva. That's what I love. He never acted like a diva. He wrote the music and then he said to the directors that they can use it as they want. It wasn't like if you won't use my music, I you have will to pay Yeah. And so on. He never became this never had this diva character where my music should be there and only my music don't change it and at all.
2: Also You can see that he was not a diva when he received the honorary Oscar in 2007 and Clint Eastwood gave him. And during his speech, he thanked the wife because he said that without her, he wouldn't have been able to be this, this great composer. But also one thing really was amazing to me because at this age, he said, well, this statue now shouldn't be the highest point in my life, but it's the beginning of my career. And if you say that at, like, he was almost 70 years old, and it was super famous already, honorary Oscar, it's wow.
0: Yeah, and usually honorary Oscar is not taken really seriously by the
2: industry people. And it Mm. was so good that he almost cried. He had tears in his eyes while saying the speech. It was really beautiful.
0: Yes, and Speaking about the tears in the eyes, I will speak about the movie that left me with the tears in the eyes at the end. I'll speak about Cinema Paradiso, made by director Giuseppe Tornatore in 1988. First, I wanted to analyze it deeply and like go through some sites, and I even got the info here. But actually, I don't want to speak about that in this technical terms. Because you don't want
2: to cry again.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I will just remember the... A final theme of the movie because all this, throughout all this movie, like the, with the red thin line goes the topic of love. First this love is forbidden because they have to cut all the episodes from the movies. It's like an autobiographical movie by Giuseppe Tornatore. It goes like through his life and Ennio Morricone knew that and he made this nostalgic, loving and melancholical score to this movie. At the beginning the young Toto is helping the engineer in the cinema paradiso to work and this engineer says to him all this like cynical stuff like don't be that romantic don't give up into nostalgia don't come back here and so on but in the end when he watches all this cut out pieces from the movies. You understand that actually even though the engineer said all that stuff, he knew that love is the most important and when he sits already, Toto is I think forty, maybe even more years old, and he's watching it in the empty modern cinema and he watches all these episodes, already this nostalgia hits you and you feel like some lump in your throat and the tears. But then the music of in your maricona first it starts really quiet and like he comes into the cinema, he gets this uh, this package with the with these uh, images, and he gives it to the engineer and says, "Please uh, roll it." But then, as more it goes, the stronger the music becomes, and you can see the crying Toto, and you start also to cry because it feels like you lived this life. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's why I didn't want to go into this technical because you have to in this movie. I think you have to feel this uh, this score because it's. It really hits you, and Maricone took like felt this essence of the life of Giuseppe Tornatore with this nostalgia and love that he went through. And t- thanks to the music, I think even more to the music than to the image. In this scene, you start feeling that nostalgia, even though you didn't live through that life. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, for me, this movie and this music, this uh, love theme of Cinema Paradiso, is the best example of how one music can be used several times to a movie and each time bring a new feeling, a new mood. And uh, this final sequence with this music is so powerful due to all the previous use of this music and the very important moment of the life of Toto when he was child, when he discovered cinema, when he's starting to work in cinema. And it's uh, so beautiful. And when, uh, as a viewer, we also live all this moment with all this music and I think it's why it's so important for us because... We have yes, this uh, strong feeling, but also magic feeling due to cinema to really live the story. And uh, thanks to Morricone music is uh, like a uh, eternal and beautiful uh, moment of cinema. And
0: yeah. I think this is the movie that Italians actually really value.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yes. This one or also Ladri di biciclette. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: La vita è bella?
2: La vita è bella, not so much. Not so much? Uh. Oh, okay. Surprising. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Novo Cinema Paradiso, I think, is one of the most loved, for sure. Okay,
1: but so, it, so it was compulsory to speak about yeah. it today.
2: <laughs> but given that we spoke about Novo Cinema Paradiso, we have to say that also in the modern culture, in the popular culture, Ennio Morricone is really present. Because as Tristan said before in the beginning of the program, Ennio Morricone is not just working with cinema. He played for a lot of artists. He also wrote songs from a lot of artists. So let's dig a bit into the popular culture of Ennio Morricone's music. Because we have a link with no Cinema Paradiso because in the 15th episode of the 21st season of The Simpsons, there is this sequence that is the famous kissing scene of no Cinema Paradiso with the Morricone's music. So we have Morricone in Simpsons. and. Who would ever thought about it? (laughs) Now, guys, I want to know if you know these ones. Because, Andrei, you said that your favorite song about Ennio Morricone is Ecstasy of Gold. Yes. And you know that this song was for years the song chosen by the Ramones to close their concerts and Metallica to open the concerts.
0: The second thing I knew, but the first one is...
2: new news to me <laughs> yeah, so now you know and check it out and tristan i have something also for you Ola. because you said that your favorite theme from morricone is man with the harmonica yeah and actually the muse instead have always put this man with the Harmonica together with the song knights of sidonia so they mm. open with this theme and then they connect Theme of Knights of Sidonia, and they sing the song,
1: oh, and yeah.
2: also the song Knights of Sidonia, as Matthew Bellavin said, is like a tribute to Ennio Morricone. Oh, I didn't I, know. I but didn't I need know to about, listen it. Yeah, <laughs> because you can actually feel after you know this about this, like all the crescendos of the music, the decrescendo the then, and feels kind of Morricone.
1: Yeah.
2: So check it out.
1: Okay, perfect. perfect.
2: Also, Ennio Morricone is present in Sirius because I don't know if you know The Sopranos, the famous HBO series. Yeah. And here we have Morricone's music that can be heard in the ninth episode of the fourth season, whose credits include Men Without Harmonica by Once Upon a Time in the West, but in the electronic version of Apollo 440. Didn't know if you knew about this? No. And now this one is one of my favorite themes from Morricone. And I figured out that not a lot of people know that Morricone actually wrote this music because at the World Cup 1978, the main anthem was made by Ennio Morricone. Okay. (laughs) El Mundial, yeah. No one, (laughs) almost no one knew it. But yeah, and the title is called El Mundial. Mm -hmm. Easy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At least the title is easy, all the rest, mm, I don't know.
1: (laughs) No, I'm not sure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and also Morricone is really famous in the advertisement, so his music is really popular there. For example, he worked for Barilla, the famous Italian pasta brand, together with, guess who? Um, Italian composer? No, with Tornatore. Oh, Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, they made a spot for Famiglia del Mulino, Mm -hmm. and so they made a spot, Tornatore made the spot, and he made the music, and also... Morricone worked for H&M, which was strange to me because they used Ecstasy of Gold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ecstasy yeah. of
2: Gold was used a lot,
1: actually. Yeah. Ecstasy of Clothes.
2: Ecstasy of Clothes, <laughs> yes, because actually he also worked with Dolce & Gabbana, but also with Renault, Sky, oh. and all um, a lot of stuff also. And guys, if you are a bit nerd, <laughs> maybe you have played Red Dead Redemption 2.
0: I am a nerd, but I don't have a PlayStation.
2: Oh. And and
0: now, when it's on PC, I don't have a normal (laughs) PC, because I'm (laughs) not home, so (laughs) haven't
2: played. But yes, in that video game, there is a lot of Morricone's music.
1: Yeah, of course. Western video game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, his, his career actually circled, made a circle, and came back to Western. We will speak a little later about yeah. that
2: but i will continue this line but of the wait i have oh. the final one sorry because <laughs> <laughs> as we said morricone is not just a music composer in the movies but he also made some great italian songs he arranged them like abronzatissima sapore di sale and "se telefonando which are really really popular I know you are not the Italian-Russian guy that <laughs> loves it, but maybe our Irina and Julia know these songs. Yeah. But yeah. He actually had collaboration with a lot of international and Italian artists for arrange the music. Mm-hmm. And now you can talk.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for permission.
1: You are the bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you are the good then. Yes. Uh, okay, Tuko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we you spoke about sports. And actually, the first half of Ecstasy of Gold is played before every home game of Los Angeles football club. Oh, yeah? Right before the players take to the pitch. Also, about the commercials. The Ecstasy of Gold was not only used in H&M commercial. It was used in Nike, in Modelo Especial Beer, LL Bean, (laughs) KFC commercial, (laughs) showing a Mexican standoff between a chicken and a turkey. Okay. Yeah, and, wow, wow, and wow. also as is already said, Dolce and Gabbana, but also it was used in video games. One of them is RPG Wild Arms that was on PlayStation in 1996. The other one was in the racing game called Blur, and the last use in the video games was in Ubisoft Entertainment's free-to-play weekend trailer for the game Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. So, throughout the time, it keeps on being used again and again, only one song, I imagine, yeah. all of his music. But also, it was sampled, for example, by Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> everybody just proves that Ennio Morricone is genius and they are ready to use his music even
2: like 40, 50 years after it was written. Yeah, yeah, also Tarantino in Kill Bill. Tarantino
1: in all of this yeah. movie. <laughs> In Kill Bill, there is more economy movie. In Ingrid's it's Bastard... L'Arena
2: is in Kill Bill.
1: Yeah, in... Uh, Django. Django, there is a music from uh, for Feudal Armor, the music of the mule. Yeah. And uh, after, he succeed to have this... Uh, like a Honor. Workshop together. Yeah. So I think we can move on, if you... Yeah. We
2: can move on and actually close the circle. Yeah. yeah totally. So from Western to Western. Mm. Because The Hateful age is a western. Yeah. But the music is not western.
1: It depends. For me, it's so strong because, as you say, he closed the circle of Morricone because he worked again on a western. But he also worked is very particular western. It's not with this big uh, field during summer with a lot of sun. It's during winter in the mountain and in a very close uh, space. So for me, this film also linked the work of Morricone with a giallo thriller movie or, for example, with a horror movie as a thing, because we find these two... Atmosphere of Morricone music, the little uh, Western music, like uh, epic, very rhythm, full of new experimentation, and uh, in the other parts the music more linked with a thriller movie, with more tense, minimalist, or more uh, yes yeah, scary atmosphere. And I think it was the best way for Morricone. I don't, I'm not sure if it's his last composition, but I think it's one of the last, uh, so yeah. important. And I think it was uh, the best way to conclude his career he work on a western again with a part of thriller with a full liberty in the music composition and with a director that just loves cinema and want to make cinema not for money or fame but just because he loves cinema and uh, yeah. yeah Tarantino uh, most of the time say one of his favorite uh, sequences of all the time in cinema history is the final duel in the good the bad and the yeah. ugly and I think it's uh, yeah, like an uh, obvious reason that Tarantino needs to work with Morricone and it's one of the best tribute of uh, Tarantino to Morricone work and Leone's work.
2: Yeah. yeah, and also Tarantino said that Morricone is his favorite composer ever. And w- he said that when I speak about composers, I mean Bach, I mean Handel, these guys, to me, Morricone is the best.
1: And you're right, I think. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and actually, to me, the music in this Western was strange because it was more of a thriller music mm. than a western music. That was like the evolution of this music there. But it was really, really cool and sometimes gives you the chill, like the chills that they are in the movie.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, but you calling it western, western, but it at some points it resembles the horror movie The Thing when they sit in this house and everybody can be infected, but not some alien, but being a convict, Yeah, that will
1: was a traitor in yeah, Yeah.
0: by treachery. Yeah, and I started to speak about the thing because actually Marconi used some of the music written for the thing in the Hateful Eight because initially he didn't think he would be able to do it to write the music. Then he thought maybe he could write one theme, but nothing more. And he also suggested the director use parts of his largely unused music for the thing and. This music is used in the scene where Samuel L. Jackson already lies in the bed with <laughs> yeah. Yeah. being shot somewhere. and uh, When the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> yes, <Yeah,
2: laughs> we say that.
0: And... Uh, he shoots, like, in, in the slow motion. He shoots one of the characters, but then he turns to the Jennifer Jason Lee yep. and he doesn't have any more bullets. And during this episode, there is this music that also plays in the thing when they find the ship in the ice, where uh, the alien is, and also where they open the dog, which is already dead after the alien. So, I, you know, here I will argue with you, and I won't call it only the western it's also a horror movie and it's actually great because Maricone managed to have not only the full circle of music for westerns but he also managed to like have a retrospective on his career and use some of the previous some of his previous music and write the music for the genres different from the western
1: yeah and uh it's a western, I think, on the shape because he used some western characters, some western place, but it's the same as the uh, beginning of Leone movie. is a new way of thinking western, a new way of making or shooting western movie. On the proof that uh, in um, cinema, nothing is really locked; everything can move, and there is not one way to make thing. And uh, all the Morricone career is a proof of that. Cinema is full of uh, possibility, endless possibility, and I think Morricone was one of the best. Uh, Writer or creator of this uh, endless possibility in a cinema story. And uh, I read this sentence that I like about it. Of course, Morricone is now dead, but it's not really dead. It just became music for uh, every time. And I think it's one of the best things of the world. You can just appreciate his music. I think it will continue for a very, very long time.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely, yes. Because everyone will sing Ecstasy of Gold for years to come.
1: Well, I
0: wouldn't say sing. I would prefer to listen to it because if I start singing it, people will die from it. it. (laughs) But yeah, definitely going back and while I was preparing for this program, you know, I had this like two weeks of classical music because before we had the world politics where I had to, I didn't have to actually, I enjoyed listening to Dmitry Shostakovich and now I was listening to Ennio Morricone and it was actually great two weeks of this classical music.
1: Oh yeah, and yeah. just uh, watch back some movie in which Morricone creates the music is uh, so good. I really advise you to watch all this western because for me it's really the best movie. But there is so many movie in very different genre. So yeah, just take profit of it because it creates, I think one of the most important and big artistic part of the cinema history And uh, I think it's important to have it in mind and continue to discover it and promote it.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, I think it's maybe <laughs> <laughs> time to conclude. Yeah.
2: So, so, guys, it's time for us to dig for some gold. Oh, yeah. Because the end of the month is super soon. Oh, yeah. And we need money. So, here was the bed. Was it good? And Andre. <laughs> 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 thank you for
0: listening, guys, and goodbye.
1: Yeah, thank you. And Bye-bye. Arrivederci. <laughs>
0: What is culture without life? In our cultural program we will discuss about the power of
1: culture to change the comprehensions and the actions of our lives. Music, cinema, painting, books, photography, poetry, and more and more. If you want to discover more about them, we invite you to join us every Friday from 10 to 12 on Mushtar FM 89.6.